All right, this is an announcement that is, um, it was not paid by anybody, organization, or institution. Uh, in the back, if you were not here yesterday, uh, last Sunday, and you want to read the sermon that I was supposed to <laughs> preach, I have printed it. And it's there. If you want to hear the, pre the sermon that I preached, you can always access it in our website. Just go to our main page, go to the bottom, and, the, and there's a, a, a button there to listen to sermons. And you can hear the sermon that I preached because I didn't have the manuscript of my sermon. Uh, also there, if you are a baby boomer, um, you will find a... Uh, um, uh, an article that was written by a pastor that I referred to during my sermon and it's called As Good As It Gets. So if you're a baby boomer, you're not, you don't qualify? No, no, wait a minute. Right. You got, no. But anyway, if you're not a boomer, guess what? You still need to read it. So I invite you to get a, 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 a copy of our article because you are going to be there. It's coming. All right, just remember that. In any case, um, I would like for us to start today with a mental exercise. And I'm going to ask you to imagine. All right? I don't know if you like to close your eyes when you're imagining, look at the ceiling, look at the wall, look at your neighbor, whatever you do, please do that, that now. But I want you to imagine this. Imagine a place, a place where you can be in peace. This place will have an abundance of whatever you need and more. You will not need to have a car because you'll be taken everywhere or whatever destination you need. You will not need money because all will be provided for everybody. There'll be no crime, no politics, no corruption, no misuse of public funds, no mismanagement. No noise or air pollution. No pain. Therefore, no pain drugs. No homelessness. All the roads will be plowed. <laughs> There'll be no wars. No conflict in society or at home. No mental illness whatsoever. No physical illnesses. And you will not get old. Can you imagine a place like that? What would you still need if that place was real? <laughs> well, Rhonda, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> but the history of humanity has proven otherwise. No matter how things are, no matter how 
perfect life is. There is a constant for us human beings. Learning. Learning. If you had such a place, you still would have to learn how to live in it. <laughs> we need to think of us human beings as learning machines. Our brains are designed to make connections of experiences and build them together into a framework in which we uh, relate and connect with others. Learning would still be a constant, no matter what. So let's hear this text that we're going to uh, address today. We're going to hear again the same text that uh, Shirley read, uh, Isaiah 2, 1 to 5. The word of Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills, and all the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his way. And that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. In the light of the Lord. Father, we pray that you may again today just inundate our thoughts and our minds with the hope that only you provide. In Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Again, we start our season of Advent and we are celebrating hope. In the book of Isaiah poses an interesting challenge in this area. The, back, uh, the backdrop of that reading is the first chapter of Isaiah and it is a vision. It's a vision that is given to Isaiah about Judah but it reads more like the letter of a parent who's fed up with the behavior of his children. Now here, please, here's some excerpts. This is the common English Bible. I took 22 verses and I condensed them in just one paragraph. So please hear attentively here. I reared children. I raised them. And they turned against me. Doom. Sinful nation. People weighed down with crimes, evil doing offspring, corrupt children. Why do you invite fertile beatings? Why continue to rebel? 
your country is deserted, your cities burned with fire, your land, strangers are devouring it in plain sight. Stop bringing worthless offerings. Your incense repulses me. New moon, Sabbath, and the calling of an assembly. I can't stand wickedness with celebration. <laughs> Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Then I will restore your judges as in earlier times and your counselors as in the beginning. Zion will be redeemed by justice and those who change their lives by righteousness. Hmm. Does that sound exciting? <laughs> I don't think that that is uh, what we would think of when we consider the theme of hope. It sounds like a hopeless situation. But there's some instruction that goes along with this and this instruction is sort of uh, brought to us in some commands. Seek justice. Defend the orphan, plead for the widows, then I will restore your judges. It made me think of that old adage, what comes first? Right? The chicken or the egg? <laughs> you know? Now, who wouldn't want to be in that place that was Described in chapter two. Check, check the uh, the conclusion of the sentence. Chapter two comes in to contrast a scene that is described in the first chapter, and now is placed in front of us. So that we can see what it would be like if we actually followed the law, the direction, the instruction of Christ. Isaiah goes from a vision of very dire condition to seeing a word. And I quote, in days to come. Right? That's how it starts. In days to come. Who has a future here? Right? Everyone that has a future, right, has some sense of what it means when you say in days to come. It's not always what we expect, though. Because in days to come speaks about uncertainty. Do you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen next Saturday, Friday and Saturday night? The parade of lights, thank you. <laughs> Somebody knows. You see, but I didn't know that. I'm, I'm going to participate. I don't know how I got involved in that. But, but you see, we have these plans, but guess what? What if it dumps a bunch of snow like we had before? What's going to happen then? She is uncertain. 
But we still have it as a done thing. In days to come. Now some consider this phrase a word of truth. Others consider it a prophecy, right? When you speak about future things, there's different ways of looking at it. But he paints a picture of the Lord's house being established in a place referred to as the highest mountain. Now, uh, we have talked about mountains and mountain experiences here in a couple of sermons this year. You remember, right? Well, you should remember because I preached it. <laughs> Don't you remember? <laughs> yeah, that's the assumption of every pastor, by the way, that you're going to remember everything they say, but it's wrong. <laughs> now, you know what we mentioned about mountains is that it's a place of an experience, a place of transformation. A place where beauty and wonder just change us. A place where you can breathe in the fresh air, the natural beauty, where the creator just shines. I remember the first time that I landed in Seattle, Washington, and walked out of the airplane and looked at this window that was like four stories tall, and behind it was Mount Rainier, covered in snow, 14,000 feet. Not like over here, we're at 5,000, right? They're at like sea level. <laughs> so you see this mountain right in front of the windows of the airport. I was like, oh, wow, I want to live here. <laughs> and I did for 14 years. But it's a place that is special because it makes us, just elicits from us all this wondering about creation, about how this comes through. No wonder Isaiah hears in this vision the word that many people will say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And again, who doesn't like those experiences, right? Who doesn't like to? be in that place. But we learned in our previous uh, sermons that somehow we don't end up staying there. We have to come down from the mountain and just face reality. But then the prophet states for us, let's go there that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his path. You hear that, right? That he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. The objective here seems very simple, right? Straightforward. Let's go there so that we may have a college degree, right? Because that's required out of everybody nowadays, right? I have a college degree, have an education. You know, for me, a GED was enough. And, 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 and I played with that idea for a long time. And then I realized life was different than what I thought. But it seems simple, but it goes farther than just the teaching part. That he may teach us his ways and that we may what? Walk 
in his paths. Now, when comes to mind when teaching, teaching comes up, uh, I mean, when, when the word teaching comes to mind, what, what, what immediately surfaces? Come on, anybody. What, hap- what happens to us? We think of tests, we think of what else? A classroom, there you go. So let's let's see what what is what is in there. Maybe you can see you see this is this is what comes to mind. You see, this is the picture. And when we think of this prophet saying to us, "Hey, come, let's go to this place so that we are taught, and then we can walk in his past." The only thing that we can think of is that. Now, I don't know, but you see that guy in the back going like this? That's me. You see this guy making paper airplanes? That's me. You see the guy pulling around with the next one next door? That's me. I mean, I could put myself in each one of their positions. But that's exactly what comes to mind. Oh, we have to learn. Let's go to a classroom sit in there, take all this information, and then we go home, right? So what's the question? Why do we think of this if Jesus didn't do that? So let's fast forward from the times of Isaiah and fast forward to Jesus coming to the world, right? And here comes the master, right? Maestro, teacher. And the master doesn't have a classroom. The classroom for the master is the world. How did he teach? Did he have a whiteboard like over here? I don't think he did. It wasn't a blackboard, it wasn't a whiteboard. It was on the way. So basically what we hear Isaiah talking about is this instruction. He's talking about discipleship. He's talking about us who are hearing these words as learners. Now I remember when I graduated uh, from my engineering school. It was a long time ago. Uh, It was in the 80s. Anybody remember Reaganomics? Anybody lived there? Okay, I did. I mean, government cuts were abounding, left and right. And in Puerto Rico, it was very difficult. It was a hard time because the federal government, I mean, provided a lot of jobs. So guess what? When cuts come in, everybody suffers. The economy suffers. And um, I was applying for work left and right, couldn't find anything, couldn't land anything. So I asked a friend of mine, his name's Mike, if he thought I could work at the company that he worked in because I knew it had something to do with electronics. So I said, hey, Mike, can I, you think I can work there? I said, yeah, I'll talk to my boss. So he goes over and talks to the boss, and um, I visit the office. And, you know, he put in a word for me, I guess. What do you think happens in, in a bad economy? What businesses are good in a bad economy? Anything that has to do with repairs. Right? You're not ready to buy a car. 
you might as well repair it, right? Well, I didn't know this, but this was a repair shop. So I go in there, speak to the guy. They repaired telephone equipment, yes, old telephones, and recording machines when they were starting to come out. And I go to the fellow and I say, Sir, I don't need you to pay me any money. All I want is an opportunity to work. And he scratched his head because he couldn't believe that I didn't ask for any money. He says, of course. I'll give you an opportunity to work my shop. So I go and I start to work. Every other opportunity that I had seen, everybody wanted experience, so I really wanted to have the experience. So I go and I met Eugene. Eugene had graduated two years before I had. It wasn't the same situation. He was looking for work. He landed in there and he had been there for two years. So he and I really had a great time. Why? Because I had all these formulas in my head, fresh from school, but I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. And he had already two years working with all this equipment. So he had the hands-on experience. And he taught me the reality of when the rubber hits the road. Mm -hmm. And I refreshed for him all these theories and all these formulas. So we really helped each other. Later on, I was able to find work in a biomedical equipment company. But, but, but note this, what really made click in my mind was the application of the knowledge, not the knowledge itself. Because I had all this knowledge about theories, about schematics, about how to uh, create an amplifier, resistors, capacitors. This was way before computers, people. So forget it. I mean, no iPads, no nothing, right? It was all transistor-based. But I really didn't know anything until I had to see it live and see how it really worked, and how to measure voltages, and how to do all the current measurements, and see where the problems would lead. So it was the applications that really made it click for me. Practice led me to the beginning of career. Now, think about this. This is nothing outstanding. Right? What do doctors do? Right? A residency, right? Right? Now, what do plumbers have? They have apprentices. They have people that are practicing. I mean, that's, it happens in all the echelons of professions, but we don't think of it in those terms in Christianity. I wonder why. This is what I learned. I learned the value of experience, of practice. Practice was imperative for me to develop not only as a professional, but as, as a person. Now, no doubt that one needs motivation when you are learning, right? Yes. 
you got to be motivated. Nobody wants to have test over test over test over test and have to read books. Believe me. I don't like it. So you have to be motivated. But motivation can only take you so far. I'll share one more experience and we'll be done. I taught basic electronics to a class of 10 folks. I was younger than all of them. The reason why they were there is because they were getting not only a one-year class in this institute, but they would also get a stipend. That was a government program. You know, jobs were missing, so you needed to retrain folks, and they went through this retraining. So I took over for a fellow who was fired or quit or something, I don't know, you know, this teacher left. So I took over for them and I evaluated the students and I said, oh, it was three months in and didn't, they didn't have the math or the algebra required to move on to the next stage. And I said, we're gonna have to start all over again. So I started with them all over again and I redid all the math and the algebra and then we started to get into the circuitry and all the logic. One person in that class had an A and the rest had D's and F's. I thought it was because of my teaching, obviously. But I asked the class, why? Why? And the answer was telling. They said, we wanted the nursing school but we couldn't let go of the stipend because the nursing school was full. So here I had 10 students and none of them really wanted to be there. They didn't have the motivation to really dig into these books. Hmm. That he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his path. I must ask, what is your objective if we ask God to teach us? Just to receive the benefits? Or is it a yearning in the heart that won't let go Something that's within us that keeps calling us to seek more, to get to know this God, get to see wonders and miracles when nobody else sees them. Not only to learn all this stuff, but to take it to the streets, to take it with us wherever we go. And this in the context of no matter what happens, I'm just going to go and do this. You see, that's what I believe is the walk of our disciple. That's what I believe is the walk of human beings. We're in here. We're learning no matter what. We're learning good or bad stuff. <laughs> right? It's our option. To learn about this creator or not. Now, verse 5 speaks about transformation. It speaks about transformation of 
that place in which there's havoc, conflict, injustice, into a place that is totally different. A place that may look or sound like the one that you were imagining at the beginning of the sermon. <laughs> right? Note that maybe that's a place of, that goes from war, conflict, to a place of cultivation. Right? Remember? The swords would become what? Clouds. Wow. Right? So, so this transformation is from a place of craziness to a place where there's fruitfulness. Where you work the land. And the land, in my opinion, is the soul. It may speak about that inner self. And perhaps it may speak about a state of being that we've been talking since about since July called Shalom. Right? Wholeness. A place of joy. A place of being fulfilled. A place that is lacking nothing. Let us walk in the light of the Lord and reflect on the hope that is within a future to be realized in our inner self so that we can spread the word to the world. Hmm. This week I saw something. And this, of course, is behind us now. <laughs> so I can't say it's prophecy. But I saw something. I saw people practicing. I saw folks that were with their hands putting meal plates in the hands of others. Folks who were sitting with others having a conversation. Folks who would come in ready to work. Ready to give. Folks who were wondering Wow, this is amazing. I can't believe this happens. Even while they were doing it. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Even while they were there. I says, this is wild. Transformation. There's nothing like doing it. Putting our hands to it. Let's pray. Father, Again, as we come into this Advent season and, and 